ain't been getting high Well, maybe a little, baby, I don't wanna lie I know when you text me, girl, I don't always reply Well, you're not an angel either, you can't even fly I know this, you think that you know shit All this shade is coming at me, I wonder who throws it They can't see the vision, boy, they must be out of focus That's a real hot album, homie, I wonder who wrote it Oh shit, hey, boy, it's good and he knows it He don't say it, he shows it I'm just like the Rosen If I shoot it, it goes in I'm in Cali, just coasting You can come back to mind, though Your friend and keep it, it's fine, though We gon' end on I know I spy with my little eye A girly I can get Cause she don't get too many likes A curly headed cutie I can turn into my wife Alright, it's 6.31 We got a first time podcast guest on It's February 12th And I think this is the first time We've ever had a counselor My co-counselor, at least and then he was also my counselor, freshman year back in 2013. <laughs> is, it, is this the first combo, do you think, where there's ever been, um, where you were my co-counselor and you were also my counselor? Has that ever happened before, do you think? Um, in Greylock history or in Greylock Heat Check podcast? I think Greylock history. Has that happened? It must have, right? Well, no, because when I was a senior in 2009, Anthony DeSanto squints was, my group head and he was my counselor and then when I came back and worked for Greylock as a counselor your freshman year Squints was your group head and therefore he was my co-counselor oh wow I didn't know Squints was a senior was a senior group head that's incredible yeah Um, he he was a sophomore counselor with me he called me Chad Pennington because I always (laughs) wore a Jets hat and um and then he was a a counselor in the bunk next door to me, I think it was Hanover, and I was in Georgetown, which is ironic because I ended up going to Syracuse. So so he was a counselor in that bunk, and then he became the junior and the senior group head for my division in 08-09. Wow. Okay, so I guess this is probably not the first, probably not the second. Um, But anyways, I was telling Greenberg that a lot of the current campers think he was just doing the Vin Baker thing because he's verified on Twitter and he works for the Jets, where he was just coming for 10 (laughs) days to, like, say hi to everyone, but he never went. So give a little background, Greenberg. So what, you came in 2004? 2004, I came in as a Brave. And then 2009, I stayed all the way through. And I was a senior in 09, Bunk, Wisconsin. And my captain, I was red. I was two and two, red and gray, winning freshman and senior. Gray, my freshman year, my captain was Mike Brandon, who had like. Who's had Mike Brandon? Awful, he had some awful injury and something where he kind of went blind in one eye because. What? I, 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 this might be false. Like, I'm going to need Jim to <laughs> check this. But I'm pretty sure he had an injury, like a soccer injury, where a piece of his collarbone kind of like chipped something out like it might, might have been his heart or something and he kind of went partially blind in one eye Jesus. and yeah and so we were we were down so big and down by so much my freshman year we needed like a Michael Rockwell talk like get <laughs> like get your stuff together or else or else rope burning won't exactly happen. and you know of course it came down to day four soccer you know some we, we ended up making it a three two rope and uh, we ended up winning. And I don't remember who – I think the burner my freshman year was Adam Block Arboni. Yeah, he he's, he's a yeah, household name. Right, exactly. So so that was my freshman year. And then I lost sophomore and junior only to be resurrected by Alex Meyer 
the red captain and my captain senior year. I see. And so and that was uh, uh, the burner then, the winning burner, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it, it all blends together now, unfortunately, yeah. but I'm pretty sure it's Nikki Romanoff. I think that name sounds familiar. I think when people listen to this, they'll be like, yeah, Romanoff. Um, but, so two and two, and you said you won senior year? I won my freshman year and my senior year. So I right, started so- I started with a bang and I ended with a bang. Yeah, that, that that's definitely a pretty good record. Um. And then in terms of group heads, so we were doing a group heads power ranking pod that we have coming up soon. Um, and, uh, great. and so I, I've had squints and you've yeah. had squints. And then yeah. I've had I-Man. Have you had I-Man? I've not, so I-Man came to Greylock when I was a camper. So I, I've never weird. had I-Man. I never had I-Man the group head. I had I-Man the baseball counselor. Oh, I want to, wait, I want to hear about this. What was Iman the baseball counselor like? Because I don't think anyone even knows he was a baseball counselor. <laughs> Iman the baseball counselor was exactly as you'd imagine Iman the baseball counselor to be. Like, did he, he do was, anything or did he just sit there all day? I'm not going to comment on, on his work <laughs> ethic because I was a camper at the time, so I don't remember much. But I remember that everyone liked Iman and Squints vouched for Iman. My baseball staff was Micah, Squints, and Iman. It was, it was That's ridiculous. Staff. That's like yeah, the 2003 was, NBA draft. LeBron, D-Wade, it, yeah. and Bosch. It, it was elite. So that, and that squint stuck with my, with my division, which was great. So, so yeah, I, and, yeah. anyway, if you're talking about power rankings, am I supposed to rank my entire – Well, give us, give us like your top three or four. Well, Squints was definitely up there. He's probably my number one because he stuck with us the longest. Okay. Um, my sophomore year, I don't really remember. I remember it was Scott Rappaport. And no idea who that is. Else. Yeah, well, Scott Rappaport is Scooter. That's his nickname. And it was somebody else, but I don't remember. I think it might have been Ben Kelly. Um, he came back two years ago. So, good to know. Yeah. All right. Uh, my first year, uh, man, I don't remember his name. Bill Summers. Bill Summers, I think. And he, he was okay. I mean, I didn't have a, like – Back, like background here. I'm an only child, so like going to camp was a culture shock to me, right? So like yeah. I, I didn't really enjoy my brave year as much as I enjoyed my freshman through senior year. Also because I didn't get to pick my schedule, but that's that, that's a different uh, different topic. So for me, it's squints, and then after that is probably Todd Michaels, my freshman year. Yeah, uh, and then good. And, and uh, my chief year, we had. Somebody Barry something, and I, I don't I don't remember Barry being a, a favorite, but <laughs> but I, I remember I, I'm I'm gonna go with Squints as like the all timer, like the Pro Bowler, and then like if you want to, and then under that to me would be Todd Michaels because I, I really like Todd, and Todd was a former Gray Locker, and Todd obliterated free throws every day on court one. He just he was money from the free throw line. And he was like in his sixties, just draining like fifteen in a row. It was it was it was honestly amazing to watch. Wow. Um. So let me. I, I guess we have to talk about this because we were talking about court one. Um. Court one's been going downhill recently, if you haven't noticed. I'm gonna get in big trouble for saying that. Uh, we might have to edit that part out because Jim listens. But so back <laughs> yeah. the the, go- the golden days of court one. Whether Jim wants to hear this or not, even though he knows it's true, we're Kleppish and Donnie. Donnie wearing the long sleeves, just screaming. Incoherence playing at everyone and Scott Kleppish, you know, holding it together. Okay. We've had, we've had, we've had, we haven't had the best replacements. Were you, was Donnie and Kleppish both there running court one full fledged when you were, uh, when you were on senior side? 
So for me, the golden. Do you call it the golden days? The golden age. Yeah. Senior, court one okay. golden age. So for me, the golden age of court one was when Donnie was on court three. Not because it, uh, anything oh against Donnie. Oh my god. But it, that's nothing against Donnie. It's just because we were spread out so well. So court one was like your tournament teams, and Klepish was like all prime, and we had this guy named Ben Shapiro, who was a former um, no, like political former camper. His nickname is Butch, and Butch part one was Klepish. And Butch, like, I, I'm trying to think of, of a comparison here, and the only reason why I'm about to say this comparison is because I saw a photo of the two of them today. <laughs> ben Shapiro is Scott Klepish, as Jason Witten is to Jerry Jones. Like, he's the golden child of the Dallas Cowboys. He's the golden child of court one, at least in my time. And Ben Shapiro was, like, a smart player, a good player. He distributed. He shot when he needed to. And this was somebody that played D3 quarterback, Ben Shapiro. So, Butch was awesome. And Donnie was, like, he he was on court three. And he was, Donnie was, like, how how would I describe this? He was crazy. I don't know why like, he'd be allowed to do court three. No, that's not crazy. He is I would crazy. Say crazy. No, I, I, I like Donnie a lot. Don, I love Donnie. That's I, my I, guy. I never played basketball, so he probably doesn't know my name, but, like, he recognized my face, but that's cool because uh, I respect Donnie. But Donnie was like Charles Barkley. It was like NBA 100%. That's a, that's a great comparison. That, that is such a great so, comparison. Donnie is Charles Barkley. So, like, um, if – it was court three was like the skills court. So like you wanted to have some fun. You wanted Donnie to chirp a little bit. You got a cool nickname. You went to court three. If you were serious about your business, you're running gassers. And I, I don't remember. I, I know when I came back as a counselor, because I stopped in 09 as a camper. And then I took a couple of years off. I came back as a counselor your freshman year. And I don't remember if Klepish was there for the full summer or not. But no, he started there. Yeah. No, I, but when I was there, I remember seeing, uh, like, I remember it was like it was a, an optic to go watch everybody finish a court one practice and watch everybody sprint down and back, and the first one to get to run down and back had an opportunity to end with free throws. practice with a free throw. Exactly. Right, of course. So all you got to do is make one. And I remember like I remember watching it and thinking to myself like, oh my god, this is like really one really intense, one sick. And two, like, painful to watch because, like, you're friends with some of these guys. You're like, oh, my God. And, uh, you know, me, I, w- I was not a basketball player in camp at all. So I was I was very much like, okay, that sucks, but, like, not my cup of tea. Don't really care. So I, that's one of the things, I, actually, Jason, that, like, when I think back on it, it teaches hard work just by osmosis because you're watching. 100%. You know, you're watching these guys work, and then, you know, you may not be doing it on court one, but, it, you know, maybe at night when you're shooting with your it's buddies on court three, you might think about court one and you're like, I want to be a better basketball player, whatever. So, to me, the golden age of court one was when Klepish and Butch were there and then Donnie was on court three. Because, to me, that was like my childhood, so I'm a little biased. And I just want to clarify, Butch Ben Shapiro is not the, the political guy right now that's all over the news, right? <laughs> no, no, no sure? it's not. It's, I, I, I don't know. I don't <laughs> know what Butch, the Greylock camper and counselor – is doing, but I, I can assure okay. you tonight. Um, and yeah, I think having Donnie on court three, I can't even imagine that just because of the intensity. But you know, obviously he's a really he's a really yeah. fun guy. Um, and court three sort of turned into the, you know, let's just play games every day nonstop. 
Yeah, it, it, it was kind of like that. Like Donnie was, he was like, he was very much half and half. You're going to do your skills. You're going to get better because that's what you came here to do. And then at the other half, we're going to play a game and we're going to have some fun. But court two did not exist. Court two was, was uh, Brian Ellis's court to shoot in his free time. Well, and then it turned into a disastrous period. And I, Emery could definitely account for this when Anderson Biden just decided to take <laughs> out three phones during periods. And then whenever a tour came, we, we, we would well, do the three-man weave. So, yeah, so uh, court two, I was there for the genesis of court two. I think did not my age junior well. year, maybe my senior year. And Zach Dalva was in charge of court two. I don't know if, if anyone knows that name. No, but no, my year. So I don't know. I don't know what your I don't know what your average age listener is. I mean, I'm sure Jim, if he's listening, is like you know this you know kid in a candy shop over here because he remembers everybody from 1916 to present. You know, if you're if you're a camper and you remember me as the 10 day guy, well, that's what you then, are. You're you know, like you have no idea guy. what I'm talking about. You're like about. one of the agents that they're. I know. Well, Larry Johnson came by and he was there for it. That's what people. <laughs> that's who you are. <laughs> You know, if I'm in the same vein as Larry Johnson, I must be doing something right. But, you know, I, I think what's, you know, I think what people don't know, only Jim knows, is, you know, I, I get limited vacation and I use my vacation to come back to Greylock because I like it so much and it means so much to me. And I, I want to pass on to the next generation. So I wanted to come back. And then I saw you as a as a counselor and Tyler Barishaw <laughs> as a counselor who still brushes his teeth like a weirdo and it freaks me out. He still does. If, if, if anyone who's listening to this is going back to camp next summer and Barishaw ends up deciding to, because Barishaw's pulling a Le'Veon right now and he's holding out um, for, for a bigger contract. If you get a chance to see him this year, if, you get, if okay. you get a chance to see him this year brush his teeth, um, it, it might not freak you out, but it, it's not it's not normal. It, it, you, you, it's just funny. Yeah, it's just funny. It's like, it's very aggressive. Usain Bolt it's like Tyler questions. goes to bed angry. <laughs> Usain Bolt is yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, exactly. Well, you just got to watch. Yeah, 100%. Um, anyways, so just to update you a bit on court one. Supposedly, I didn't know this was a – do you remember Mario Self? Do I remember Mario who? Self? Rio? So no. he – so no. court one, even though, we, you know, we had the big celebrity hiring with Ben Baker, but that didn't, that didn't go great when he decided to chuck a ball at Scott Lee. Um, so now we're, we're back on the rise. Court one was down for a little. I think Rio is – Jim, according to Jim, at least. Rio is the most winning coach in Greylock history in terms of tournament wins. Um, and the kids all love him. He was the head of, he was Scott Lee's assistant on Jay's side. And now he's running senior side. So court one's back on the rise for now. As long as we don't open up another court two and bring Anderson back, I think we'll, I think we're in good shape. Um, well, it, I, I, I have to, I, I'm cutting you off because I have a question. Jim let you speak this liberally on Oh, 100%. Wow, now. I get text messages sometimes. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, anyways, yeah, don't give me too much trouble here, Greenberg. Um, um, I'm, I'm trying um, not to, but you, you're doing it to yourself. <laughs> so you were the – were you ever department head for football or not? No, I was not. I was, um, I was an assistant counselor uh, my first year back, and then – so I was a counselor for two years. I was an assistant flag And you did Beacon, right? Counselor, and then I did the Beacon the next year, yeah, and – um, after I left, Mistel, uh, I heard, yeah. took over as head of flag football one year, and uh, that's all. Yeah, I'll say about no, that. yeah. Well, I think it's uh, I think it's a good idea to leave it at that. Um, and then so also, well, two things I want to talk about quickly. Um, so first off, DT. I don't know if you know who the, you were here two years ago. So you probably remember him, uh, Daniel Thomas, running back. 
I was the running back for the Dolphins. Yeah, oh, so he's been he's been at camp yeah. the past two summers. Really great job. And then Don Jones was there during the golden age of football. I consider that. I don't. Cluey Cluey had a brief stint at football. If you're like looking at his Wikipedia page of things he did at camp, it's like there's an asterisk next to football because it was like it was a little. Yeah, bit, it, it, it's like it's like off yeah, season, off season or practice, or practice squad, squad only. only. Exactly. So. Um, and then, and then DT came in and Don was in there for another year in between, but also beacon guy. So I, I wrote the beacon the past two years. I don't have any intention of doing it this year if I had to come back. Um, and so I've been told the best beacon writer of all time is Sam Sweet. I've never, I've never met the guy. I've never read his beacons. I, I, can you anything to say about that? Do you think is that is that a fair uh, evaluation? Yeah, I I'd say that's fair. Uh, Sansweet was Sansweet was like towards the end of my camping time, and he had a younger brother, another Sansweet, but he was not a beacon rider. And older Sansweet, Adam Sansweet, was definitely a good beacon rider, very very well liked, and had a good personality for it. Um, see, when I was the beacon rider, one. I, 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 in retrospect, I feel like the black sheep of beacon writers, which is fine. No one talks about you though. So, but, in terms of your beacon writing, so that's a good thing. Right. Well, uh, because because they want they want me out of the record. Book. Oh God. You know, it's like I wasn't even there. Cause I, no, I'm just kidding. I'm I'm just playing around. But it's one of the things that I probably could have done a better job at, particularly the e beacon, which that's was a pain like in the ass. The most that's pain a pain in the, in the ass. Thing. But but I will say I did try to change the beacon game, and I was shut down. Well, and when I say that, I don't mean anything that deals with the beacon. I mean everything that deals with the gathering of information. I wanted to have a bike on campus and ride around and go from place to place, get a little workout in. You know, I like that. I like that. Walking around campus, walking around campus is not is not an easy thing to do every day. You know. I mean, so Jim rides like, a golf cart every day. So. Right. So I'm like, maybe I could bike around. It got shot down. I will not say by who, but. It, an unnamed and it got source. shot down. Um, an unnamed source. Exactly. You know, and when I was doing it, uh, so I would—I never thought about doing the bike, but we did have this guy named Jamal who ran Court Three, um, who would ride his. He had this big red bicycle, and I don't think anyone was going to tell him he wasn't allowed to use it. Um, but when I got on it, I got yelled at. That, that's one of the. Uh, yeah, well, that's one of the. That's one of the cons of being an ex. Yeah, you don't. You don't get. You don't get it. You don't really get a lot of. Uh, not a lot of pros with the ex camper as a staff. Um, and then, uh, I, go I, ahead. Well, there there are no, pros, pros, but I, but mean, I just fun, think, <laughs> you know, what what one of the cons is that like if someone if someone wants to truly speak their mind to you, they will. Yeah, and we get, I'm not gonna. One of the few things I won't talk about is the other cons of ex campers because we need more former campers back at camp on the uh, working on on the staff. So uh, I'll keep my mouth shut about that. Okay. But um. Anyway, so, yeah, in terms of Sansweet, they made it sound like this guy was writing, like, he was like John Carmonchia from the New York Times, or he was, like, the next, the <laughs> next, uh, you know, Terry Gross. Like, I, I've never, I don't, like, they're like, man, you should have read the Sansweet Beacon. Really impressive. I, I can't. I can't believe a millennial just dropped the New York Times. Of course, office. I, I am very well informed. I'm gonna read 75 books this year. I was telling, I was telling my roommate that. Uh, even though, even though that, okay, even though great. that's not believed. Um, and then in terms of the beacon, so my whole strategy was I was gonna try to pull off the whole Schefter thing, where I just had my phone constantly going off. So if I didn't want to talk to someone, could be like, I'm sorry, I got, <laughs> I got, I got, I got to take this. 
Um, and then that yeah. that didn't work when the directors were speaking to me. They didn't like that. Um, so that sort of got shut down. They're like, go collect the information. Go walk up the football. Yada, yada. So, and then, I mean, look, in terms of the e-beacon, it's, it's you know, the parents like it. I get why it's a thing. But, you know, when you're doing, like, I was also doing the scheduling job last year. When you do both of those the entire day and then, Jim, you get a text from Jim, it's 1030 and I don't have the e-beacon. Um, it, it's not... He's not happy about that. So, and then the other, the, no, yeah. uh, um, no, he's he, not. Nah, and I actually, um, one, when I was a camper, I'm pretty sure there was. Yeah. No, it, it, came, it came around. I was there for the, I was there for the Genesis of the beacon. I'm, I'm almost positive. Like Jeez, there was no old. beacon until, yeah, I know. Until I was on senior side, like a couple of, I don't remember what year it started, but I'm almost positive. I was at camp and I was at camp when, we had Lexan, which is a form of, like, a, it's like a material of silverware. And we didn't have plastic. We Lexan? had Lexan. And you had to put Something it in, like, a prescription like, drug. Yeah, you had to. <laughs> Good job, fine. And we had to put it in, like, a, this bin where they would then go wash it. My first ever meal at Greylock, by the way, was popcorn chicken. That's a good meal. That's one of the better meals I can. Uh, I would yeah. agree. And there was a and, uh, PPP day. I don't even know if no, that's it's still a thing. thing, but PP. Okay, well, PPP day was in full force, and a kid in my division. I was a freshman, 2006. A kid in my division had found where they kept the Coca Cola and busted <laughs> in and got a 24 pack. I don't even think they have Coca Cola anymore. They changed the Gatorade machines. There's not even real Gatorade anymore. Um, well, that's okay. As long as the chocolate milk machine's working, everyone's yeah. okay. You know, in turn, and then oh, oh, I almost forgot to say this. Uh, so this year, many were wondering why there was no joke in the beacon, and I unilaterally decided to uh, take that out. You know, you know the joke part where it's like, where it's like, it's the same thing every year. It's like a stupid joke, and by the end of the year, Jim was like, "I'm never gonna forgive you for this." Um, so don't. Yeah, I I was, I was gonna say you are, you are depriving junior side. No, they can, they can live with, they they can live without their joke. The, the the joke the joke the jokes are are overused. Um, well, you, well, what about the kids that had the jokes and then you ripped it from them? You know what? I bring a lot to the table, and so you know it's like you, you got to take what you can get, and you know some things are gonna be thrown off. The, I don't know. I don't. You know, it seems like such an easy thing to look over. You know, to look for a joke every day. It's, it takes two seconds, right? Well, actually, when you've been doing it for two and a half years. They start to get hard to find when you're on the ninth page of Google looking for a stupid knock-knock joke to finish the beacon up. So that was that was well, maybe I didn't bring in the best effort. Next next year next year for Hanukkah, ask your mother for like eight books of corny jokes, and then you're good. Yeah, that's a, that's exactly what that that's exactly what's in store. Um, anyways, I'm gonna get killed if I don't. Bye, bye, boys. If I don't ask you, if we don't talk about the whole Jets thing. Okay, so. Um, <laughs> Before we even start, how often are you are you approached by Greylock people about the Jets League? They're like, oh, you're the Jets. Or is, is that not really a thing? It's not really a thing. Like, I think kids that are older and around my age, or at least when uh, when I was back as a counselor, and they were counselors too, like, they asked me. Like, they'll talk to me about it. But, you know, my friends know. Other than that, not a lot of people know. Like, um, well... This this is a, a bigger name. I don't know, I don't know how many, how many people will know him that are younger. But Michael no, Schneider, yeah, everyone's aware of him. Yeah. 
Yeah, so Michael Scheider hit me up because he, he's a basketball manager at Duke. So I'm watching Syracuse Duke the other week, and I see him on my TV. <laughs> yep. So I shoot him a text. So I shoot him a text like, hey, man, I hope all is well. I see you on my TV. And then Scheider was like, you know, can, can, actually, can, can I call you, like, graduating, whatever. So I got to catch up with him. But no one really approaches me as, like, the Jets guy from camp. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know how many people know because I'm not – I'm Facebook friends with a lot of campers or counselors and people that I was campers with only because that was um, that was popular in my day. And I just don't know how many people know what I do. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, Shiner, this summer, I forgot who told me this, but there was this whole thing. He's been texting with Jason. He was texting with Jason Garrett. Uh, and I think he did a whole internship there that he gave Buddy Buddy. So maybe Shiner, maybe he'll take Shiner with uh, him to yeah. the Giants. Um, him, him, Freddie right. Kitchens, and... Uh, Joe Judge, quite the, quite the, you know, TNT crew we were talking about at Court 3. Um, Squad up, so, yeah. Oh, this is what I have to ask this as well before we get into this. One of my campers wanted to know. How do you get verified on Twitter? Were you approached? Did they approach you? What, what's the whole process behind that? So, for me, uh, for me, we have, our head of social media has like a, a, a representative or some sort at mm-hmm. Twitter. And so he, so he sent them a note. I don't know if it's a guy or a girl, but he sent him or her a note and said, can we get this account verified? And then a couple of days later. Boom. Wow. And do you feel like a different person with the check mark? <laughs> it definitely at the time, like, made me feel credible. And I'm not going to lie, like, it's very nice to have it because of conversations like this. It's like, it just verifies who you are, whereas... You know, if you don't have the blue check, it's like, okay, well, he's definitely, like, a reputable guy, but it, it, there's a, it's, it's like getting your master's. You don't need it, but if it's there, it's great. Yeah, it looks, it looks, it looks legit. Everyone thinks you're the shit. Um, so, right. and, you know, we're working on this concept at Greylock next summer, which we're planning, the heat check is planning to pitch the gym. It's called TSA, it's called team pre-check. It's the same thing as TSA pre-check, except that you get to cut the line at the canteen, and you get a you get a canteen pass, so that way you don't have to wait in the line. So, we're we're working we're working oh, yeah. on that right now. Um, and obviously, you need to be background checked. Uh, I was thinking if there was a way to verify, like who would be verified at Greylock? Like obviously, Cindy Quit would be verified because she's been there very long. Uh, Inno could be verified. I don't know if I'm giving I don't know if I'm giving all five of the directors verification check marks. But I want to talk about as well. Um, so you come you get out of you graduate from Syracuse. Did you go to graduate school or no? No, I went from Syracuse to the Jets as an editorial intern, mm-hmm. and I spent the 2016 season with the Jets as an editorial intern, and fully knowing that, like, so I studied broadcast journalism, so I know that I, I knew I wanted to be on air mm-hmm. in some capacity. So I did the editorial thing, and, like, I knew it wasn't my cup of tea, but it was for the team that I grew up rooting for, and it was close to home, I could live at home, all that good stuff. And then after that, I I stayed. I got extended. I got a slight pay raise. Still regarded as like an intern and then part time. Then eventually I was hired full time. But what happened was the my boss and the other team reporter had left. Right. My boss was my boss has been there for eighteen mm-hmm. years, nineteen years. The other team reporter who was on air left. Yeah. So that gave me the opportunity while they were doing their their reporter searches 
to get some on-air work, and then once I got some on-air work, I remained on-air since. That's, you know, it's pretty incredible. And then in terms of what you want to do next, so let's say, I don't know, Mary Kay Cabot is like, calls you up. She's like, yo, Ethan, I'm leaving Cleveland. I can't. Freddie Kitchens was a disaster. The ESPN spot for Cleveland's open. You're going to get all, you're going to be on ESPN all the time. You'll be like Mike Reese for the Patriots. Uh, what, what do you, what do you say to her? See, right now, I'd, I'd, I'd like it, but, and it'd be great exposure, but I think what I like more is hosting live programming. Mm-hmm. So, so what you what you're talking about is more of like beat yeah. writers. So people that cover the people that cover the team day in day out, and that's great. But if you ever watch NFL Network, you have somebody like Rich Eisen, Andrew Siciliano, Rhett Lewis. Like those are the guys that host football shows, yeah. and I really like that aspect of it, the aspect of live programming. Mm-hmm. Now, what what I like about my job is that it's a little bit like beat writers, except because you're inside the building, you can't be as um, sensationalized. Yeah. You can't have, you, you know, I don't voice my opinions in my work all too much. You, you've got to, uh, you got to play it, not like super straight, but as close to straight as possible. Yeah, that's tough. And, and then, but the other good part is that I get to post live programming. The players trust me a lot because they know that I'm, I'm inside the building. So, so they trust me on a different level, which might lead to a different story that maybe somebody else might not get. Okay, and then who is – so who's, like, the Mike Reese? You know, Mike Reese is the Patriots guy. What, who is it, like, South House and Muni? Which... No, the, the equivalent of Mike Reese would be Rich yes, Samini, So who's been at. Yeah, so yeah. Do, they tr- do the players are like, yo, I'm going to give you this story. We don't, we don't like Rich. Rich has been sneaking around a little too much with Wickersham trying to get the bombshell story out of us. Uh, is that is that a thing that happens or not? Not really. Not 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 in that sense. Like there's a whole there's a whole back world to sports media where sometimes the team will inform a reporter, and then that means like you know it, it's very much a if I scratch your back, you'll scratch mine kind of thing. Course, yeah. Sometimes a, a lot of the times it's the player's agent that that'll have a relationship with a reporter. But it's more so – it's never, like, in spite of somebody. Like, no one's going to tell you, give you a story if you don't ask the question. Mm-hmm. So – but what I'm saying – but, like, you know, by my natural conversations with somebody, maybe that'll get me the lead on something about the player that nobody else knows, and then you write this, that story. So, like, this didn't, this didn't happen, but I'll give you an example – one of our players was bullied growing up, like like very mm-hmm. badly bullied. Now he's an offensive lineman. So they, they, there's a big sense of irony there. He does a lot of work in the community with bullying. So he, by just talking to him, you know, and let's say I was talking to him one day, not on camera, not for anything, and he was telling me about this, then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, my God, I have a story. Like, let, let's, like can I ask you about this? And then you go from there, whereas – Typically, all the questions are just football-based. And, you know, what do you think about your opponent, da-da-da. It's difficult in season to take a step back and realize, or rather, and talk about the player and something that's going on with them or whatever. It, because the season is so regimented. 
So it's it's just uh, by being in the building, it allows you to have the opportunity to learn things about players that nobody else might know. You know what I mean? Like if I see a player eating a breakfast burrito every day, I'm like, okay, well, clearly there's something with burritos (laughs) there. Let's go do something with – like, let's go do something with burritos or, like, on Chipotle or, you know, something funny. And nobody else knows that. Yeah. And, I mean, have you ever – has there ever been a case where you knew something and then before Schefter and Rappaport tweeted it out or not? Are you not on that – are you not on that insider trading level yet? Well, so the, the Schefter-Rappaport game is different because it's very much um, – it's very much news-based. Mm. You know, it's very much like this player signed here, this player signed here, and that that largely comes from different agents, yeah. right? So, so not, but I'm like I'm sure you hear stuff in the building where you're like, oh, this guy's about to sign a new contract before one of those guys tweeted out. Yeah, yeah, I mean that happens for sure. And then there's a lot of like the the lower level transactions that we hear about first, and then there's other things about like you know, what players have said or what somebody said about players or something, you know, there's a lot of little stuff that, that, you know, that's not something Schefter or Rappaport really care about. or any insider would tweet. Or, yeah. Or not even care about. It's not something they tweet out. It's just something that you'd, that you hear and you just like, you keep it in the back yeah. of your head. And uh, I have to ask this. So Ian Rappaport, former Greylocker, Ethan Greenberg, former yes, Greylocker, are you giving Rappaport any jet scoops? Am I giving him any Jets scoops? No. no so when I'm he not. says sources, it's not, it's not really Ethan Greenberg's name under that. It's, it's not Ethan Greenberg of the New York Jets, but I will tell you that in 2017, I went down to Mobile, Alabama for mm-hmm. the Senior Bowl with the goal for our website of collecting all of these different analyst interviews. And Jim had told me that Ian Rappaport was a former Greylocker. So I see Ian Rappaport. And I'm like 22, you know, I think 23 maybe. And I go up to, and I'm like, excuse me, Ian. And he's like, looked at me like, who the hell <laughs> is this guy? And, and, you know, and I'm like, hey, man, like, I'm, I'm Ethan Greenberg. I work with the Jets. I actually went to Greylock. And then he, and then, of course, he lit up and we, we talked about Greylock for a little bit. And then we did the interview. And so it, 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 Ian's a good guy, man. Uh, every time that I interact with him, he's very friendly and, He's sarcastic and dry in his humor, but at the end of the day, he's a good dude. So, uh, and then Ravel also went to Greylock. Any interactions with him or no? He's been he's been yeah. really making so, making the rounds lately. Darren Ravel was at the Jets uniform launch on April fourth, two thousand nineteen, and I interviewed Darren Ravel, who was wearing a Mets uh, varsity jacket, and he had just tried food at City Field or whatever. And I'm like, hey, Darren, nice to meet you. Like. My name's Ethan, and I went to Greylock, and he was like, oh, no no way, and da da, da. And Darren went back for the 100-year uh, yeah. birthday. I did not. Yeah, I did not go back for that, unfortunately. So then we talked about that a little bit, and then I haven't seen him since. But I have met Darren Ravel, and he was very nice, and he definitely was not a court one. Yeah, um, I think he posted pictures on his Instagram one time of him, like, throwing quits. Um, he's like, senior activity, period not- three, quit throwing. Uh, big, big, big coin big, guy. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Um, and then uh, I know you got to go, so we'll wrap up with the final few questions. Um, in terms of your favorite player to interview, because I know there's a lot of young guys that have 
want to know this. Yeah. Is it the Prez? So the Prez is definitely fun. When, he does, when he's not demanding and... trade requests. <laughs> the Prez is fun to interview when he's like bought into it, and but you know Jamal's a busy dude, and everyone wants to speak to Jamal, so he gets he gets a lot of national attention. So sometimes he can be a little bogged down. Um, all my interactions with Jamal have been positive, both on and off camera. But I I don't know if this is ironic or not. Le'Veon Bell might be one of the most genuine dudes that I've ever met. That also plays. Did you go to his listening party or not? I did not, but I was in Miami at the time. Could you have gotten him if you if you were like the the bodyguards are trying to push you back? You're like, yo, Lev. <laughs> I don't think Lev would have. I don't think Lev would have seen me. But had he seen me, he probably would have recognized me and then allowed me to go in. But I, like, I wouldn't have caused that much of a scene. <laughs> you know, I wasn't gonna be like, we'd be like, get Lev out here. Like, you know how many people? Uh, yeah, of course. That? Um. Yeah, I, I wasn't gonna be that guy. So. I'm not sure if you know. I'm a big Patriots fan. We're 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 gonna see where uh, where my guy goes this year. Yes, I I, I and, know. And there's rumors. There's rumors that uh, one sec, you cut it in and out. Tell me when you can hear me. Like can you hear me? Guy staying in in Foxborough. All right, awesome. Yeah, I can hear you now. I said, do you feel, look? Do you feel like the your guy commercial is in Foxborough? Put me on heart medicine. Um. I was horrified when I saw that, even though everyone else was like, it was obviously a joke. You know, I think he's going to look around and he's going to know that none of these other places are nearly as good as what he has. We're going to, RKK, my man, he par- he promised that we're going to get him some weapons this year because Philip Dorsett doesn't cut it. And, you know, when you when you only have Dorsett and you have, like, Nikhil Harry playing on one leg and they're going to double Edelman, it's like, who are you going to throw to? And we lost our center, so Michelle was really struggling this year. He got pushed down every time he touched the ball. I mean, on the flip side of that, for you guys, you know, Bell's numbers statistically weren't great. What do you – do you think they're going to keep him? I know, like, Gase had that whole interview where he's like, I'm not talking about it or whatever. Yeah, I, I think – That's well, what I thought. It was on okay, that, that interview was out of clip. context. Well, yeah, well, so at the end of the season, yeah. every, every coach has, like, an end-of-season press conference. Right, like as as you should. So Adam Gase has this press conference, and they're like, you know, they're talking about Le'Veon, and he says he says something like he he waxed poetic about Le'Veon, like saying, you know, he was a great teammate, he did all everything we asked him to, he was very good to work with, whatever. And then um, this one reporter kept like bashing him, you know, kept trying to hit him over the head with these Le'Veon questions. So. Gates was like, well, Joe Douglas, the mm-hmm. general manager, is speaking tomorrow. You can just ask him. And so, and so then, and then he's, and then everyone, and then he followed, the reporter followed up, and he's like, you can ask Joe tomorrow. And then just everyone took went, that went one part of it and, and then ran with it. Yeah, and, and every, everybody on the Jets beat was like, stood up for Gates and was saying, this isn't uh, an, an accurate portrayal of what happened. It was it was mainly based on the reporter asking even, like, the question Bell reacted and on not Twitter the question that, right? itself. But to end, yeah, he he did, but like to you know, he probably didn't watch the mm-hmm. uh, no, the of course, and season-ending press conference, you know. But 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 I will like to answer your question. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. Like you, you know, I think what makes the NFL so great 
is how unpredictable it is. Well, the, the one thing I'll say is if you look at the, like, the picture right now, Le'Veon Bell has a, a large salary hit for next year. And it's not like Le'Veon Bell is a bad player. The Jets didn't really, you know, the Jets couldn't get anything going on, on the run oh, game. They had geez. 11. Let, 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 me, let me hit you with a stat here, fine. You know, I, I get, <laughs> yeah, I, I get paid for this shit. So let, let me, excuse my, excuse my language, but let, let me hit you with this. At least two different players throughout the course of the season started at each of the five offensive line positions. And in some cases, three players started at a position. So the Jets were ravaged by injuries, and on the offensive line, they were yeah. above and beyond littered with injuries. I mean, when you have when you have three players That's throughout tough. the course of a season playing left tackle, left guard, center, right guard, and right tackle, like it, you're not going to run the ball well because you're not going to develop a chemistry, and you're just not going to you're not going to get into it. So you know, everyone thinks that. Joe Douglas is going to beef up the offensive line, and Douglas said that the that the line, both offensive and defensive, is a priority for the Jets every year. That's like how he was bred in during his time in Baltimore under Ozzie Newsom, and then in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. who obviously have a fantastic defensive line and, or, and offensive line for that matter. So I think Jets fans are expecting a, an improved offensive line, and assuming Le'Veon Bell is back, I think that yeah. you can expect. And improve Le'Veon Bell. And you know he's also one of the best pass catching backs in the game as well. Um, and I, no, go ahead. Yeah, he's actually. Uh, I'm going to cut you off because no one talks about this. He's actually one yeah, of the he's best. A, he's a big uh, guy. Pass protecting backs too. He's very good at at pass block. He he's when I first met Le'Veon, I was like, oh my god, like this guy's not this James guy's White, a, a yeah. big. So going into the season, I, I had a lot of Jet friends, exactly. Jet friends, Jet friends and fans that were telling me, "Hey, watch out for the Patriots." You know, they were sort of they were slowly starting to come out of the woodworks, and obviously, you know, Darnold got mono. You, watch out for the Patriots. Watch out for the Patriots. There, no, being, there, were, yeah, there were some Jet optimism. Like, you know, they're the Patriots, like they're coming for and you. And then obviously, you know, Darnold gets mono, and then oh, okay, the, yeah. you know the whole ghost thing. Got aired on ESPN, which was absolutely terrible for him. I don't know why they aired that. That was that was awful. Um, and then, uh, you know, Gase and I. Obviously, you know, he looked like an idiot when they were during, on the Monday Night Football game with the Patriots. And then there was that story that came out about how he tells everyone he's rich as fuck. Um, and then there, you see a bunch of clips. I don't know if they're trimmed up or what the context is, where he looks like he's being an asshole to the media. My perception of him is that he's just an asshole. Is he is he a good guy? Do you like him, or is that is that a fair fair point? I, I like Adam Gase, man. Like he, he, he's good to me. He's good to our our content department. He's always very nice. And the one thing, I, and the one thing I'll say in terms of the the media stuff, mm-hmm. he's on yeah. a podium, so he's naturally looking down. You know what I mean? So so people like people might say, you know, he does wear his hat low, but <laughs> that was a thing. That was a legitimate thing. Yeah, at, at the media, he's standing on a podium, like. Right, but but mm-hmm. but I mean, my guy's standing on a podium. He's literally looking down, like. He is like not because he's, he's not because he's on the same ground or you know he's trying to avoid them, but he's literally looking down because he's yeah. standing. No, I, I I agree with that. On a podium, damn it, you know what I mean? Like like he's naturally taller than everybody. But 
but in all my like, I was I saw him today, and I was in my and he was chopping it up with um, my boss and me, and he, he's a good dude, man. Like, I, I think it's one of those things where everybody Especially wants to York. have somebody hung out to dry, and it's yeah. And, and here's the thing: it's there's two people in the organization that get criticized the most on a weekly basis and praised the most on a weekly basis, and that's head coach and quarterback because those are the two guys that every week they talk to the media and they and one's in charge of calling plays and in charge mm-hmm. of the whole team and the other has the ball in his hands every play. So, so you know, on a weekly basis, you're if you lose, you're going to get slammed, and if you win, you're going to get praised. That was like such when, a weird game. When the that Jets was beat such the a Cowboys, weird game. It was like really. Everything was like untouchable. Like, they beat the Cowboys. Are they? Are they back? It then, was. That was, and then we realized the Cowboys that, suck. Yeah. No, they were great. Well, the thing is, is like at the time, the Cowboys were good. And Cooper the, got hurt. Yeah, and Cooper the Cowboys were banged up in, in that hurt. game. I, I will say. That, I had them. But, uh, I had them sixteen in my pool. Of course. Wow. <laughs> Uh, you, by the way, do you do you always pick the Jets? Uh, do you always pick the Jets? Or, uh, funny. The pool or no? So, so like it, it's weird because the pool, like uh, for you know, I, I think I, I picked them week one against the Bills, and they should have won that game, and they lost it. So then I started feeling like, okay, mm-hmm. well, if I always pick them yeah. to lose, I'll win one way or another. Right, and then I'm like, well, that's probably unethical and looks wrong. <laughs> so maybe I should just pick the Jets at one every week. That's know? what the so Giants it, fans do. It's one of those yeah, things Giants where it's like it goes back and forth. Yeah, they put the Giants at one every time. Um, what they pick the Giants at one? You know, they're like, look. Okay, but here's the thing. Yeah, but here's the thing. If if I like didn't work for the team, I'd probably like try to pick fairly, or I just like pick it with a slightly negative skew in hopes that they the Jets would, like, upset the team and win. But because I work for them, I feel 100%. like – I feel obliged. Um, okay, we'll end on this, and then I'll let you go. Um, so, a lot of Jet fans have been, you know, nervous wreck. Mookie Betts got traded, and I was distraught, and I was writing out my top worst Boston moments. And one of them was when Patriots lost to, New England, lost to the Jets, 28-21. Braylon Edwards does the backflip. Michigan native. Or, um, that was one of the. I was talking to Jim about this uh, when the after the pass off to the Titans. Um, one of the worst moments for me as a Patriots fan in history. Rex Ryan's running on the field. Sanchez. It was those two years. Sanchez be, made it to play. Did they play the Steelers twice in the championship <laughs> games those years? I, Colts and Steelers, I think. Um, they played the Colts yeah, and one year. I would say. Can, will the Jets ever yeah. get to the point where they make the playoffs yeah. again? With can they make the playoffs next season? Why don't we end with that question? Oh, okay, before yeah. I answer that question, Wait, you check Rex Ryan. I, have, I have a good story All for right, you. Go ahead. So, he checked exclusive, yeah. All right, so my phone line at work, I just learned this today, is the former extension of former general manager Mike Tannenbaum, right? So, one day I walk into work, and I have a missed call, and it says, from Rex Ryan, like on my on my landline at work. And I'm like, uh, okay. You have to 100 So I'm like, I can't not call back. So I, so I pick up the phone, and it automatically redials. And within like a half second, hello? And it's Rex. 
and, I, and I'm like, hey, Rex, this is uh, Ethan Greenberg from the New York Jets. I have a missed call from this number. I'm like, I just want to assume to that check. it's a butt dial, but I wanted to double check. And he was like, oh, yeah, no, like, right. He's like, oh, like, yeah, like, I'm sorry. I, you know, I guess it must have been a butt dial. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And this is, a, this is a couple weeks before last year's draft. And so Rex is like, oh, it must have been a butt dial. I was like, yeah, I figured it's such. I just wanted to, you know, make sure that, you know, you weren't trying to reach somebody else and I could put you in touch. He's like, oh, no, 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 like, thanks for calling back. And he goes, wait, 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 who are you guys taking at three? And I was like, yeah, I figured you'd ask that because you work for ESPN. And he, he, he had a chuckle and he was like, have a great day. Mm-hmm. And I said, you too, and then hung up. So there's that, okay? To answer your question about the playoffs, the Jets have a tough schedule next year, man. I mean, they're playing the – they have, like, the second-hardest schedule in the NFL, and they're playing the NFC West, which, of course, has Rams, Niners, an ascending Cardinals mm-hmm. team, and uh, the Seahawks. And they have to travel to San Francisco, to L.A. twice, to Seattle. They also play Kansas City. So the, the Jets are going to have a tough time winning some games, although I do think that they will be in a better spot Assuming the offensive line gets help and assuming that they fill up some needs, I think that the right, Jets well, should be a more positive, fun team to watch. Optimistic from Ethan, uh, from Ethan Greenberg. You're hearing it first. Hopefully, uh, Rex and Baker are good now after that. Uh, after I think they were on TV together a few days ago. Um, Greenberg, thank you for having for joining the pod. This was amazing. I'll talk to you later. Of course. Peace. All right. Sounds good. Fine. Thanks for having me.